This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. In CISO. Hello, welcome to Seagull Social Season 4, Episode 2. It's very appropriate this is Season 4 and Episode 2, I've got to be honest with you, because it's another 4-1 win, ladies and gents. But before we get into the game, right, because it's our second football, that's actually mad. Um, but before we get into the game, oh, it sounds like Matt has just decided to set his alarm off. Yeah, sorry, Lance. It's all, go- it's all going off. Do you sorry, know what? We're not, we're not cutting that. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> Matt, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. It's been a, it's been a very busy weekend, um, but no, all the all the better for another unbelievable win for the Albion. And uh, yeah, mate, we just I just love how well things are going. Obviously, I don't want to jinx anything, and you know things can obviously. It's only early early jinx days, it, isn't it? Yeah, it's only two games in. We, we can't get too excited, but yeah, the way we've been playing, the results we've been getting has been incredible. So yeah, everything is good in the land of Maz. Nice, and Louis, mate, you're the new to the podcast, your debut on Seagull yes. Social, yes, Mr. Indeed. Video Editor, Graphic Designer, yep. but most importantly, Brighton fan, absolutely mm. buzzing with that must be, surely. Oh, honestly, like, the way that we've we've started this campaign, like, even though we haven't been playing what I regard as our best football, like, we're just looking so slick still, and I think when we really start to get out of second gear, it's it's going to be scary, it's going to be really scary. Scary hours. Scary hours. It is, to be fair. Um, It's an interesting topic, actually, because I want to get onto that sort of later on, because obviously the Zerbies mentioned it and we've mentioned it already um, over, you know, maybe we aren't at the best as we were last season, but then the 4 1 wins sort of speak for themselves. So it's a bit of a funny one. And obviously, the Zerbi did mention the fact that they were changing something up, maybe, and trying to change tactics slightly. But um, before we get into all the talking points, I wanted to go through the game because. Let's say, absolutely mind-blowing game, to be honest with you. But it has to be said, in that first half, Louis, I don't know about you, mate, but it seemed like Wolves were actually playing pretty decent stuff. And and I've got to be honest, I was slightly worried um, going into the game. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, the way that they started the game, like you say, it was very, very strong. And it was the same in the, in the first game that they played this season. They looked like they were creating a lot more chances. And I think they've started really well under the new manager. 
Um, but then obviously it just came down to our overall quality, which then ended up turning the game on its head. But they are creating a lot more. Um, they're looking a lot more dangerous, certainly, than they did last year, because obviously when we played them at our place, we absolutely ran riot. And that's not the same team yeah. that we that we played about six months ago. Hmm. Yeah, and you, Maz, were you, were you sort of not worried? Because I, I think I don't think we should be worried as Brighton fans nowadays. But I don't know, they just started quite well. And, and it was a bit of a perhaps wake-up call with the chances they were getting through and, and, and the odd sort of pass through and cut through that they had. Yeah, like the the one that st- uh, stuck out for me was the eight Nuri. Is it eight Nuri? Is that you say? Yeah, yeah. the the eight Nuri's chance, which um, yeah, which I, I think he should have done way better with. Um, and yeah, like like you say, they they look dangerous. They I don't think it was one of those games where, as we mentioned, where we really dominated like from start to finish, and you know we absolutely mm. kept them out. It, I don't think it was that type of game. Um, and yeah, mm. they they were wasteful in front uh, in front of goal, which very. Yeah, which suited us really well. Um, and yeah, like you said, Ryan, they had their chances. It's just they weren't clinical. And I, mm. again, it, it gave me vibes. And I, th- I think we said it in the preview. Um, they gave us sort of like um, XG Brighton vibes, you know, back on, yeah. under under our Potter, Potter days. So yeah, I think if they can find a striker, if they can um, find their shooting boots, they'll be fine this season. I know, again, we mentioned we were worried for them. But yeah, on that showing yesterday... Um, they look, they looked all right, um, and that midfield th- uh, three as well. Until Nunes got sent off, of course, um, looked looked okay. Um, and yeah, it, it was just I think Wolves really, really struggled in front of goal, and uh, we we didn't. <laughs> Simple as that. Yeah, they. I mean, the amount of chances they had, I think they had the same amount of shots as us, um, mm. and only a few less um, sort of on target and stuff. But yeah, their expected goals were not far behind ours. And obviously we bagged four and they got one. So that I think spoke sort of volumes. Also as well, uh, uh, I spoke to a Wolves fan and they were like, we could have easily been two up by half time. And I mean, you you could sort of... uh, well, it's two one obviously because we scored in the first half. But yeah, you could you could argue maybe that yeah, yeah they, they they had a case because they had some some good chances in that first half. Yeah, no, I do agree. And I, I watched match the day back because obviously I was at the game, so I was on the other side, so I didn't quite see fully the you know the chances that they were having. It sort of shocked me when I watched it back. Um, but yeah, no, to be fair, like they were pretty good. But then at the same time as Louis said, the quality shone through in the end. I think that the broke we broke the deadlock obviously through Caro Matoma. And if you want a way to break a deadlock through quality and proving that you're there, yeah. it's to turn into full-blown Eden Hazard, run through <laughs> about four players, go through, and then all of a sudden, it's it's 1-0 and everything changes, isn't it? And, and, and mm. Caro Matoma, we need to speak a bit about him because, and no, this isn't just for the Japanese faithful that we've got on here now. <laughs> this is for Matoma himself because what a player he is, by the way. Mm, and what, what, what a goal that was, Maz. Oh, unbelievable. Um, I love also as well. The best part for me is Esther Pinyan got the assist, even though yeah, he, yeah. Didn't, <laughs> he didn't do anything. I was like, FBL points, unbelievable scenes. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was great. Uh, no, no, the goal itself was just ridiculous. Um, how he just glides past people, he's dribbling. And I, I know this whole, uh, as Brighton fans and also non Brighton fans love the, the dribbling thesis. Um, they're yeah, like, it's yeah. coming, it's coming to handy. So yeah, it, it was, um, it was yeah, it was just a brilliant goal. Just how he just effortlessly goes past players. And do you know what? I was actually the the best thing for me was his finish because, uh, especially last season, there was a few times where his finishing was oh. not 
the best. Like he, he'd spurned one on ones quite a lot, actually. Yeah, very he was very wasteful in front of goal. So just to see him clinically put that in in the back of the net, that that's what I was actually the most because we all know how good he is at taking on players. It's not about oh, is he a good dribbler? Is he not? I think we all know how good he is at that. It's probably just, one of the best dribblers in the league, yeah. to be honest. But in fact, oh, no, that's a, that's a whole easily. topic in conversation itself, isn't it? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so because I mean. He's proven, like, over the last 12 months that he can take anybody on. Like, the only person that's ever given him any mm. trouble was Aaron Wambasaka. And even then, like, it was still a very, very even matchup. Not clear cut, was it? And yeah. Not clear cut in the slightest. But I think from yesterday, what you can take away, like, like you said, Matt, you know, Estepinian gets the assist. But I think the fact that he's got Estepinian on that side with him gives him so much more confidence mm. and so much more freedom. I think that left mm. side is probably one of the best in the league. Not necessarily oh. in terms of, you know, complete overall yeah. ability, but the way that they work together is so, so good that, again, they inspire each yeah. other to be more confident, more brave going forward. Um, and, you know, they know that they back each other up defensively as well. I, I mean, I see a lot of Matoma's defensive work rate, even when he plays for Japan, like he's always the one that like, he's flooding back to try and help out. And I think those two backing each other up down that left-hand side, it's so, so dangerous. Um, but, yeah, I just think yeah. the way that they, they link up together, is it's, it's incredible to watch, really. Yeah. Yeah, I and I agree with you. And to be honest, I'm glad you did mention the duo because it helps talk about Purvis Pinion, who has been fantastic, by the way. Just to mention, as everybody already knows, but to bring him in after Mark Cucurea, Player of the Season Award, £15 million after we've made £60-odd million on Cucurea himself. It's, it's, an, it's an insane suggestion to ever say at that time that we'd be improving and we'd be upgrading. But we have, mm. and we have. And it's, it's not even a debate that we have. He inverts better than him. He goes forward better than him. He's stronger in defence. His all-round game is so much better than Kukurea's. And I didn't think I'd be saying that before he signed. So it's it's insane, one, for the scouting department, but two, to give credit to Purvis and what, what a player he's been for us. I can really see him just becoming sort of that established fan favourite in the next couple of years because I feel like he's gone under the radar quite a bit just because, mm. you know, we've had so many good players like Solly March, like Karo Matoma in the last, you know, few years that's really taken the headlines and CISO as well it's worth mentioning but Purvis is Maz I don't know about you but it's got to be a case even for the last couple of years he's been one of our best players oh honestly I said it last week um he's he's arguably the best left back in the league for me I, mm. I think you, you have to put him in that conversation now that yeah I, I can't really see anyone better in the league than him and um I, I thought he was fantastic against Luton and then he's just done it again um, against Wolves. So I just love the consistency. Hopefully he can keep this up now for a prolonged period of time. Um, I think to be fair to him, he's actually always been very consistent. But to see him start yeah. the season so strong is just another great sign for us. And like you said, um, the way he's come in so seamlessly since Kukurea left. Again, there was loads of question marks. Can he be as good as Kukurea? Can he replace Kukurea? he's become better than him. Um, and I think that's just credit to, like you said, the scouting team, Tony Bloom does it again. Um, and I, I think, yeah, that, that left-hand partnership uh, with Matoma is so, so exciting. Like imagine them two in Europe. It's just going to be so exciting to see uh, just them taking oh, on get some, me buzzing, man. Yeah, some, get me some European teams, um, like, you know, under the lights at the Amex, Matoma <laughs> yeah. and uh, Estepinian just bombing down that left wing is going to be a sight to see. So yeah, I, I'm super excited and I'm, I'm so happy they're both playing so well because, uh, like Louis said, that, that left-hand side, I think is going to be really important for us 
going forward as well. Yeah, it, it reminds me of Anthony Knockhart and Bruno in the championship. Do you remember how good they were? Yeah. Um, it, it was by far the sort of best duo in the championship. I mean, Knockhart, the amount of sort of confidence, as you say, Louis, that Matoma has now, that you just see it in Knockhart. I think when we got to the Premier League, it was just a completely different ball game, and it, it, they, they almost just looked like they didn't want to try and do that like they did in the championship. But Matoma and Estupinian, I mean, like a Harry Kane and Jimbin song back in the day, uh, the, the amount of goals they could be getting this season. Big, big, that's is, a big uh, comparison, that. You've got to do it. You've got to do it, Maz. I mean, this is a good side we're talking about now. We're top of the league for the first time ever yeah. after, a, after a weekend, or after the first first game of the weekend. But anyway, Estupinian, fantastic. Another one I want to mention, just while we're on it, Billy Gilmore. And I'm so glad I can do this, because yes. I've banged the drum on Billy Gilmore since we signed him. And I was thinking to myself, he will have a moment where he's one of our most important players. Obviously, Caicedo's gone. Obviously, McAllister's gone. You got sent off. And now we're in a situation of who's going to replace him? What's going to happen next? Billy Gilmore, Louis, talk to me. I mean, it's, it's, it's some rise since last season with all the stuff he had off the pitch and everything that happened with him. To come in now and, and, and just look like you know he's, he's never been out of the squad. Yeah, I mean, we we know that he showed glimpses of what he could do when he was at Norwich, but I feel like those first few games when he first signed, he came into the team and he was expected to do a big job straight away. And I can imagine that's going to get to your head. Um, And, you know, he looked a little bit shaky the first few matches. But then when he started to find his rhythm, started to find his feet, found his role, you saw how much more confident he becomes. You know, he's dropping deep, asking for the ball, the way that, you know, people like Basuma and Caicedo always used to do. And now he's taking on that role and he looks so much more confident. And I think that's something that certainly De Zerbi has inspired in a lot of our players. You know, like you say, he was signed under Potter, then to lose Potter and have to work under someone completely different. I know yeah. the styles aren't massively dissimilar, but, you know, at the same time, it's much more like it's a completely different scenario to be in. To yeah. have to, you know, you've settled in under one manager to then have to switch to another one and start all over again. But the way he's taken to it and especially, you know, the way he looked in pre-season, he looked really, really, you know, up for it, certainly. And then, you know, these first couple of games, he's looked really, you know, really, really confident. He's looked fantastic. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like it's one of them things that Deserby particularly has done since, you know, we lose a player, but it's not a case of replacing like for like. It's more of a case of, filling a mm. gap alternatively, changing the system a little bit around what he's got. I don't think Gilmore's a Caicedo replacement by any stretch, but I feel like the way he's taken to controlling the game, sort of dropping that bit deeper and also being able to drive forward, it's sort of characteristics of not Caicedo, more, probably more McAllister um, that, that you really need in a mm. squad. Because I, I do feel like that was missing in, in the Luton game where we were getting overrun a bit. I think Dahoud probably wasn't physically dominant enough in being able to stop the sort of counter-attacks the loot and were firing at us. At times, Wolves had the same thing as well. But I don't know about you, Maz, with Gilmore alongside whoever this mystery new midfielder is going to be, uh, whether it might be the labour, I don't know. Um, but we've got to be pretty confident midfield if we can get hold of that replacement and, and have the likes of Gilmore, Dahoud, etc. Yeah, no, 100%. And I know that uh, De Zerbi came out recently, I think in his last press conference, saying he wants a Caicedo like-for-like replacement. He's been pretty clear with that. So I, I'm I'm pretty sure we're going to see uh, a like-for-like Caicedo replacement come in at some point before the, yeah. the window ends. Um, and yeah, I would love to see Gilmore in there. Look, we, we talked about it in the 
uh, last pod, didn't we, Ryan? Like we did a whole segment on Gilmore and how it really is his time now to, to sort of take that berth with McAllister and Caicedo gone. And I, I, I'm a massive fan of him. I think he's brilliant. And I, actually, funny enough, I was speaking to, to Ali McCoist uh, about him. I was like, Billy Gilmore, because obviously the Scottish links. And he was like, honestly, Maz, I love him. Like, I think he <laughs> can be, I think he can be one of our best ever players for Scotland. And, really? you know, like if, if someone like, you know, someone, a pundit that knowledgeable has got faith in Billy Gilmore and managers have all spoken really highly of him and fans, like the eye test for fans is is spot on. I think we've got a great player on our hands. So, um, yeah, yeah like, I think it's just really, really good times for Billy Gilmore. And obviously he had his bad sort of time off the pitch last season, you know, when that whole thing happened with that, that woman, um, sort of like basically doing what she was doing. And... Um, yeah, like to come back from that, I think is just incredible as well. Um, and that sort of mental resolute to show that mental bounce back, I think that's another key attribute he's got um, mm. to go through what he did and come back to be so good. I think fair play to him. And uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy for him as well. Well, I mean, Roberto De Zerbi described him as a potential leader, didn't he? He, he said that he's, he's someone that could be a potential leader, I guess, in in other words, captain. I mean, that alone, I think, speaks, as you say, that, that sort of mental strength he's got. Um, and, and pretty similarly, to be fair, to Julio Enciso, who was, who was fantastic yesterday. Uh, worth mentioning, I think. Um, there's a lot of players that are worth mentioning, but I think that these ones particularly. Enciso, um, Deserby described him as the best player on the pitch. He obviously got two assists. He's only 19 years old. When Enciso first came in, Louis, I don't know, he was quite raw. He was quite concerning at times perhaps people wondering if he was going to be getting a loan the maturity that he's got sitting in sitting centrally now I think the maturity he's got it, it is so much better so it's almost like a completely rapid rise on on Julio and CISO oh massively like I mean when you saw he first came in like he was playing a few games in the under 23s and I feel like at first his objective in his mind was to be the player like he wanted to be the man in the team and he wanted the ball to always be at his feet and wanted to take everybody on and then he realized that when he fits into the system he's going to be even better so he starts working with the players around him and you've seen how much he's shone since he started integrating really into the system and you saw it sort of midway through last season and then that was you know proven by the fact that Deserby started to put him way more into the game um, but like watching his rise in the last sort of you know six months or so even has been incredible to see like the confidence of him yesterday certainly like the assist that he, the first assist he got for Solly March I think it was off the outside of his boot just to swerve it around the defender unbelievable yeah, that was pass. So good. absolutely unbelievable and the confidence to do that like we know he's always had that confidence but in terms of being yeah. able to to help other players as well rather than just having to think that he has got to do it all himself and that change I think for me has shown the real maturity like you say of Nciso and his progress certainly in yeah. the time that he's been with us No I, to I totally agree with you totally agree with you and actually you mentioned the goal get onto the goal because the the whole the whole move of every goal that we've scored yesterday was, was fantastic to be honest obviously we had the Matoma moment we've got the Nciso it, it started from a deep Billy Gilmore pass in there um, sort of just loops it over. Gilmore's, sorry, Nciso's run through outside of the boot pass, as you say. Solly March, who would have thought we'd be saying it? Clinical as ever. He's now at the top of the, the Premier League goal scorers, going for the golden boot. Golden yeah. boot charge. Could you believe it? Golden boot. Could you believe it? I mean, look, I've been made to eat my words for the last year and a half now, where I used to say, Solly March doesn't score enough goals, doesn't get enough returns. 
He's now the top scorer under Roberto De Zerbi's reign. He scored again twice, and there's Gareth Southgate in the crowd, Mads. Do you think there's going to be getting a, an incoming phone call to Solly? I mean, you can't really argue against it, to be honest with you. No, like, you can't. You can't, I, I can't really see where he doesn't get a, a call-up. But, look, we know the England team has great, great squad depth in those areas. I think, unfortunately for, for Solly, like, he's just the competition is just ridiculous in that area for England. So, look, if we're being realistic, is he going to get a call-up? Probably not. However, should he, based on merit and based on form? Absolutely. Um, he's been fantastic. And even prior to his injury last season, at the back end of last season, he was linked with a call-up, wasn't he? Um, I think yeah. Southgate was really close to calling him up and then he got injured. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, look, he's, he's a fantastic player. He's a real team player as well. We talk about, you know, Julio Enciso um, recently becoming a more of a team player and, you know, changing his mentality. But Solly March has always been that. He's been very selfless. He's always wanted to do what's best for the team. Um, he's happy to play sort of pretty much anywhere the manager tells him to. Um, and he's just got a great attitude. And, um, you know, he's the Helsham Hazard, as we, uh, as I like to call him. Um, he's, been, he's just been, he's just been, um, yeah, he's been incredible um, recently. And um, yeah, he's just a, a great squad player um but more than that like, i think he's, he's become more than that now um and he's actually becoming pretty much the first name on the team sheet for deserby um but i think he's been linked with wanting a right winger i think he's been quite vocal about that hasn't he uh, about wanting a, a right winger so yeah it's uh, an unnamed position isn't it so right. i guess we don't know Okay. Um, but it's a right winger. <laughs> I mean, obviously the Kudus links, yeah, suggests that perhaps that could yeah. be the case. But what, what's um, your thoughts on that, Louis? I mean, I I would say the one thing that's really, really going to help Solly in, in getting this call up is his versatility, which probably isn't echoed by many, apart from perhaps Bakayo Saka a little bit. But Solly is able to play mm. in obviously left wing back. He's obviously able to play right wing back. He's able to play on the right wing. He's able to play on the left wing. I mean, look, he was in the middle of the box yesterday scoring two goals. Perhaps he's capable of playing up front as well. But, <laughs> Louis, what do you think of Stolly's versatility and, yeah. and potential England call-up? I mean, I think I think he's very, very unlucky in the fact that we're so strong in depth for England in terms of that wide position. But, like you say, because he's so versatile, like he can do a job in any position. He might even just be an impact player off the bench. But, like, yeah. I feel like that would be a, definitely a place for him that he can really do himself justice but I think like you say he's been always a very selfless player he's happy to do whatever the team needs but I remember De Zerbi speaking quite openly saying he wants Solly to be more selfish and I feel like if he does because we know he's got an absolute wand of a left foot you know if he puts his mind to it he could score so so many goals and I think that confidence is really you know I think out of the whole squad, I reckon he's taken the biggest step forward Agree. under De Zerbi, mm -hmm. out of everyone. Like, the the confidence he's now showing, I think there's a recurring theme here with confidence. Like, the, the, the confidence that's being inspired by Roberto De Zerbi is incredible. Yeah. But I think especially with Solly, like before, you know, under Potter, he was a kind of, I wouldn't say bit part player, but he didn't really have an established well, he was role, a left back, wasn't he? now he's playing he was, that He was our left back. And... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, playing now as a sort of right wing, you know, slightly inside, it feels like he's actually really found a position for himself. And the fact that, you know, he's, his his faith is being repaid and, you know, he's then appearing way, way more for us. Like, it, it, you know, everyone's a winner here. And yeah, if he keeps up this streak, like goodness knows how far he could go, but he's he's showing streaks of like just how good he can be. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Green. It's, it's, a, it's a very late bloomer, isn't he, Solly? And I think it's a good thing because, I mean, you look at him in a championship, it was clear he was probably one of our best talents to come through the academy. He had that moment when, I don't know if you, this is such an obscure memory, he scored in that friendly against Norwich, I think, and it was like a 25, 30 yarder and he smacked into the top corner. And I think that was the moment people knew, OK, right, this boy's... Be going to be coming into the first team. He had his moments, obviously, he came through championship days, scored a fair amount of goals, and there was a lot of hype around him. I remember back at the time, I was thinking, OK, right, we've got a proper talent on our hands. We can really see him in the Premier League. And then it almost just seemed like that confidence, as we keep saying, just, just sort of fell off a cliff, didn't it, for a good couple of years. Um, didn't really do much else apart from just cutting on his left foot. And that was about it. And if he didn't do that, he was pretty lost. And I think that the fact that the Zerbi's been able to change him around and, and just become this sort of lethal finisher, as well as someone that's capable of taking on most most defenders, it's a credit to, to the both of them, really. Um, but we'll get on to the, what, what goal are we on now? Third, I, I suppose you could say. I mean, to be honest with you, let's just let's just talk about the fact that we've scored four goals twice, twice in a row, by the way. This is a team that we're saying probably... We've not played our complete best, I guess. And actually, maybe now's the time to talk about that. I don't know about you, Maz. Perhaps this is just a bit of an unpopular opinion. But I just don't think that despite winning 4-1 back-to-back, we've been even close to being anywhere near like last season. Obviously, I think it's quite evident the fact that we're missing Quesado at times. And, you know, naturally, I guess, because, you know, at the end of the day, this squad's had the two best players ripped out of the squad. And, I, I guess when you've when you've had that not only on the pitch but you know mentally you've got to re, you know recover from that. Um, the, the 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 rise I thought I think it's almost credit to the squad and a credit to manager as how you keep going and keep improving and keep you know playing to as best as you physically can regardless of who goes. I mean it's a testament to really what Brighton's all about, isn't it, Maz? Yeah, no, 100%. And I think you touched on it there. I think people, my sort of answer to people saying, oh, I wonder why we're not as good as we were. I think it's quite clear. As you mentioned, we've lost two of our most influential, arguably best players in the team. Of course, we're going to, we're going to, you know, lose quality. Of course, we're not going to be as, as clinical or, sorry, well, we are clinical actually, as good as we are, as we were, let's say the back end of last season. Yeah, in midfield, exactly. Like, and, yeah, again, it's going to take a bit of a, a transitionary period where we're going to have to get used to um, not having McAllister, not having Caicedo, and we're going to have to get used to 
playing a, a little bit differently, you know, having different players at our disposal, um, utilising different players in certain ways. Like we said, Incisa coming off the bench and you obviously now got Juan Pedro coming off the bench. Like, you know, we've got some incredible players coming off the bench as well to impact the game. So, you know, we didn't have that last year. I don't think the squad depth was as good as last year. So I think... Um, all these different like factors now uh, will come into play, and yeah, like you mentioned, it's I think it's a, um, it's definitely a bit of a transitionary period, just getting used to um, who's going to be coming in as well. And like you, like we said earlier, we've not fully completed the squad yet. We, we might have another two additions potentially to come in as well. So at least. yeah, yeah, at least. So look, it, it's going to be it's very exciting times. Like you said, we haven't really played that well, uh, and to be winning four one on the bounce, I know respectfully against Luton and Wolves again uh, might have not had the, the best pre-season side that, that did well against Man United yeah. and I think that's what's the weird thing I mean it's twice we play Wolves now in a row where, where they've been on the back of a, a pretty decent mm. round of form I mean obviously I know it's only so early in the season to suggest form but I mean they, they turned up well uh, at Old Trafford I thought do you know what they were the better team that day and and the same Last time, I think they had won three, three games out of four before they got mm. walloped for 6-0 by us. So it is a credit to us. Maybe it's also a bit of a factor of play Wolves and you'll get a win. Yeah. <laughs> I feel well, like, but I don't I, know. I saw a tweet. It was, it was hilarious. Uh, Mark Goldbridge tweeted before the game. It was at two o'clock, so an hour before kickoff. He tweeted saying, "If uh, I, I'm having an eye on the three o'clock kickoff between Wolves and Brighton. And if Brighton... Uh, beat Wolves comprehensively. We're in a world of trouble, <laughs> and then we, we we ended up beating them. Yeah, yeah we ended I up beating that. them four one, and I thought that was great. Um, yeah. So you know, and it's actually funny actually. I got I got I got in a, a bit of a, a banter sort of like argument with a Man United fan last uh, yesterday, and he was like. Um, I don't know why you're giving it the big and like we're, we're way better than you like we'd beat you and I was like really? yeah I was, I was like really are you are you sure about that the way you're, you're playing at the moment you you just about got past Wolves and you got beat pretty well by by Tottenham so yeah uh, yeah anyway it's, this is not the, the Man United podcast but um, yeah I, I think if you want it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very happy to laugh Sla- at them at the moment Sla- to be honest Slan- slander <laughs> Man United um, yeah no look, look we're, we're in a really good position at the moment like you said I think the, the big thing is, and I think we, we all need to, as Brighton fans, just sort of take it in, is we're not playing to our best, but we're getting big results. 4-1, 4-1. Mm. Like, I think that we should all be really happy with. If we, if we know we can get to another gear, like Louis said earlier, if we're only in second gear, imagine what we're going to be like when we get to fifth gear. Like, it's mm. going to be super scary. So hopefully... Well, Maz, we can get I, for one, am very excited hey, for that. But um, that was awful, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> had someone had to say it at some point, didn't they? But anyway. <laughs> <Boom>. <laughs> Throw his tomatoes. Get him off. Yeah. <laughs> um, Louis, I was going to mention uh, the goal I haven't mentioned, which is obviously purposes to Pinyan. Again, lethal. Um, from a player that's a left back, as we, can, as we say, Positions don't really matter with the Zerbi. I, I wouldn't really call him a left back anymore. He's mm. half the time he plays in midfield, other times he's he's practically in the box, and uh, you know it's a, it's a great finish as well. Um, obviously Mitoma sets him up. It's that duo again. Um, Purvisus Stupinian, Louis. I know we've already mentioned him, but he's getting goals now as well, which he deserves. He's he's, in, he's always in the positions for him. Always, always, and I think again. It's coming back to that same theme. It's the confidence. Like, I mean, when he first came yeah. into the team, you know, he was a, he was a little bit shaky. He wanted to go forward, but yeah. then realised that you know it needed a bit of time to integrate and sort of work out how he plays with the rest of the team. But now that everyone's kind of established and knows their role and understands what everyone's strengths and weaknesses are, he's really been unlocked. Like, you know, 
the fact that he he gets assists pretty much every single week. Like he's a lock in on fantasy Premier League. I saw he's like the second most selected player <laughs> really? after Hart wow. with like sixty percent of players. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, it's, wow. about it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah and Same. yeah, it's you see it every single week. And again, like you say, now he's going forward. He's scoring goals. He's always just finding himself in these really really good positions. But again. If he wasn't as confident, you wouldn't see it. And like you know, there are a lot of the, a lot of the left-sided defenders that you see in the league. They're not necessarily the most confident going forward. Like they'll they'll try and get to the byline and put a cross in, but you don't really see them like charging into the box, going to the back post, trying to get a tap in, or you know, finding themselves taking a shot from from eighteen yards. Like that isn't something certainly as Brighton fans. I don't think we would have ever really seen before. You certainly didn't get it with Kukurea. And, you know, yeah. I think the fact that, and again, this is going to come back to the price point, you know, Kukurea was our player of the season, you know, the year that he was with us. And then we sell him for 60 mil. He goes into that Chelsea side and it doesn't work because it's just not a good fit. And then people are writing him off saying he's not a good player. Like, it's, he's not the same as he was with us. But again, that's purely because of the system. Purvis comes into our team. You know, he hadn't really set the world on fire. Like, obviously, he did very well with Villarreal when they, you know, they got to the to the semi-finals in Europe. But then to come to us, he had a couple of shaky games. But then, like you say, when he integrates, everyone starts to learn each other's strengths and weaknesses. And suddenly, he just becomes a completely different player. And it's really, really shone through. And I think the rest of the team recognises immediately like how good he he really is i, th- I think yeah. that's, a re- that's a really good point as well about um like kukurea and even let's look, look let's look at basuma right basuma who looked so good under potter he's doing well now yeah i've got to say uh, uh, well he's exactly whereas it's funny it's, how whenever yeah. like a kukurea or a basuma leave not maybe instantly they're like oh that you know terrible players and i feel like that's because they played in a certain style and a certain system at brighton which isn't the same elsewhere, you know. That some some players are system players, right? But not to, not to suggest Basuma is because he's actually now showing under Ange Postecoglou he can play. But obviously under Conte he struggled, so clearly he couldn't adapt to Conte's system, uh, who had a very particular system. Whereas obviously he's now thriving under Ange Postecoglou. So I feel like a lot of players that we do get play well because of the the, the system we have and yeah. the manager they're under. You know, there's a lot of different factors. Mm. So yeah, it, it's a uh, Hopefully, Estepinian is not that. I think he's just incredibly good. Um, and I don't think it's down to the system. Well, yeah. obviously, that's a part to play. But, but... Oh, go on. Sorry, Matt. I don't want to cut you off. I was I just think, going to say, yeah, you've I also think... got to mention... Oh, yeah. Go on. Sorry, Louis. Um, you've also got to mention the fact that no, 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 these big clubs, these big club fans, I mean, they they will just write a player off. And yeah. If they don't like them after a few games, it'll be interesting, actually, to see how it goes down at Chelsea with Caicedo now there. And obviously, they've got Carl Willis' big role and... It'll be interesting just to see if it if it doesn't go completely right. They got West Ham a bit later on, haven't they? And if it doesn't go well, and give it a few weeks, if they just they just don't. That's it. They'll just yeah. they'll be on to the next thing. And it's like shiny new toy syndrome, isn't it? Yeah. Um, sorry, Louis. Continue what you're going to say. Yeah, that's exactly the point I was going to make. You know, no, that is exactly the point I was going to make. Like when you when you move to a club like Chelsea, especially, you're given maybe one or two chances, and then everyone is on your back. Like if you yeah. if you make a mistake or you don't have a good enough game, immediately everyone's onto you. And especially at the price tag, Kukurea, yeah. 
60 mil. Caicedo, 115 million pounds. That is the, what, it's the third most expensive transfer ever or something like that. It's mental. Like, absolutely insane amount of money. And if you don't perform from game week one, as soon as you put on that new shirt, at that price tag, everyone's asking questions. I th- I think that's Whereas when you're playing with us, you know, you, you don't get like, you, you get a lot more chances, but then because you get those, you, because you get more chances, you then get to show just how good you are. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think, that, yeah, that point of, of uh, market value, obviously we sign our players, what, four or five million? So you, you don't you don't yeah. have that expectation and, and they're allowed to grow without much, you know, anticipation. Yeah. So like Julio and Ciso, prime example, we sort of signed him knowing that he can be a great player, but we were like, look, give him time. He's, he's still very young. Obviously, Evan Ferguson came came from Bohemians, or was it Bohemians, when he was like 16. Like, all these players we've signed with very little to no expectation. And then when they do come through and they do become these incredible players, we're like, oh, that's great. Like, there's no there's no pressure along the way uh, for them to succeed or, or become good. Whereas, I don't know, do you remember like when we signed... Um, Jambash and Lacadia and stuff for like quite big money for at the time for us. Mm. We were like, we need them to do well, and they ultimately didn't because I suppose they had that big pressure of a price tag. Um, so yeah, it, I think it's really key for us to even let's say we sound like a I don't know a fifty million pound player or sixty million pound player in the future. We need to also remember that not to put too much pressure on them because otherwise mm. they're going to turn into a potentially like a, a Kukurea, uh, which we don't. Well, want to speaking see. about pressure on yeah. players and ones that have thrived outside. Aaron Connolly's doing the right at Hull. I saw, I, mean, I saw that. He, he got a brace yeah, he yesterday, didn't he? He got a two, yeah. Yeah. We um, won the game for him. So fair play to Aaron Connolly yeah. if he's turning it all around at Hull. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens there. Um, okay, well, I think we've pretty much mentioned yeah. everybody. There's a couple of talking points, obviously, <laughs> we picked up on, and, I, and the only thing I wanted to really mention else was this whole sort of mystery news signing. Who comes in? Because obviously, as we say. It isn't the best Brighton, but they're still very, very, very good Brighton. This is the same, not the best Brighton that Gary Lineker yesterday said that we're playing like Brazil. So it's it's a it's a funny one, isn't it? Perhaps we're very spoiled. Perhaps we've seen a lot, and then maybe that's what it is. We've seen a lot of good things, and you know we, we've we've gotten almost too used to just having good things. And, and if it's slightly less than perfect, we want more. And, and I think that's just almost what Deserby is put into everybody's heads around the ground. And and, and I admire it, and I think it's such a great mentality to have to always improve regardless of the situation. But, um, as I said, this new mystery signing, obviously midfielder, is is pretty obvious. Um, whether it be Belaber, whether it will be the, the... I can't ever say his name from, from Salzburg. Um, very, very good. Duath. Thank you. Um, <laughs> him. And as well... Um, we got the sort of mystery rhythm. It's a right back, whether it's a right winger. Um, I don't know about you, um, Maz. Do you think right winger, right back? What What's your priority other than just the obvious Moises replacement? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, apart from the obvious uh, Moises replacement, I I really want us to sign a right back. Uh, and I know there's been a lot of talk about Esther Pinar being our only left back, and and I completely hear that. That's fair. I think yeah, we, we do we do desperately need another left back as well. Um, I think just just for depth. Um, However, yeah, for me, it's always, and I've said it literally for the last, what, three months, uh, we need a right back, in my opinion. Because, look, if you break it down, uh, you've got James Milner, who's actually deputising really well, but he's not going to play. Milner's been great. To yeah, he's, he's, he's not going to play every game yeah. uh, this season. Unbelievable engine. Yeah, um, oh, he's been fantastic. Against Luton, he was brilliant, and, and against Wolves, he played solid as well. Um, 
but he's not going to get you. He's not going to play 30, 40 games a season, especially with Europe as well. Um, then you've got Joel Veltman, who again, who's been in, a bit injured recently, and and again, good good player on his day, but does is he the you know is he the starting right back? I'm I'm unsoft. And then you've got Tarek Lamptey, who's unfortunately I mean, I have a soft spot just, for Joel Veltman. Love him. Yeah, no, no, he's he's brilliant, but is is he mm. like a top caliber right back? In my opinion, no. He's he's a great squad Probably right not, back no. to have. Um, no. But yeah, and, and then you've got Lamptey, thirdly, who unfortunately for him has just been injury prone since he. I feel for Tarek. Like, yeah, I feel so bad for him. I know he's playing in the under 23s this week as well. Hopefully he can get his fitness back. But just in terms yeah. of those three players, okay, you've got numbers, but have you got the quality? That's my big argument. Um, um, and then, yeah, that's what I'd love to see a right back come in. Uh, I mentioned before Sasha Bowie from Galatasaray, I'm a big fan of his. Um, but yeah, any right back. And and I would actually quite like to see us uh, get Barco if we can from from Boca. I know there's been big issues with signing him um, until Jan- uh, December. Sorry, we've got to wait till December because he he wants to yeah. play in the Libertadores, I think it is. And um, yeah, I'd like to see Barco come in just to cover his opinion. Yeah. But um, yeah, right back and left back. I think right back more so, and then yeah, have a cover for left back as well. Mm. Um, and Louis, in a few words, what's your your shopping list? My shopping list. Um, well, Caicedo, I think, has got to be the the priority yeah, to course. replace. Ig- like, yeah, ignoring Caicedo. Out of, yeah, out, out, mm, yeah. I mean, so out of him and McAllister, McAllister, I think, is the overall better player all around but Caicedo is way more difficult to replace like McAllister's profile is much more similar to a lot of people compared to Caicedo's and I think in terms of what we've got to look to pick out I I, I like the look of Tay and Coop Miners I think he looks like a a very very promising player and you know I think he'd fit our system very very well we've got Locatelli who again we yeah, and I think Locatelli with the links from Sassuolo as well. Same with um, Domenico Berardi. Again, you know he deserves openly said like he'd take Berardi anywhere he went in the world. So yeah. uh, there's always that possibility. And again, that's that right hand side gives you know rotation for Solly if we need it. But I think the priority really has got to be a right back because as much as I love Joel Veltman, like he's an absolute king in my eyes I love him to bits yeah he's not going to be able to be the starting right back you know if we make it to a, a European final like he's got loads and loads of pedigree but you know when he's when he's taking on some of the most elite wingers in the world like you know the biggest test he's had is Wilfred Zaha and that's not saying much is it so you know like when it when it comes to this sort of thing we're going to need someone who's going to be the, a really really solid right back that's going to you know be able to work in that same way that uh, Estepenian works with Mitoma but then who is it that you know like you say you've got names like Sasha Bowie um you know there are going to be people out there but it's going to be Lampy, that person that comes straight in I, I, I was yeah, just about to say that yeah again versatile sure an attack I, I want an attacking right back someone who can who basically I want I want a, an Estepinian regen but on just the right hand him. side yeah clone him and put make him right footed on the on the right yeah. hand side that's that's yeah I, I definitely want a more attacking look like, like we mentioned with Veltman he's brilliant he's he's great defensively and he can do a little bit going forward but he, he's 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 uh going forward he's not the best um going forward no, so yeah, I, 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 I I want yeah. someone that can take players on who can yeah, basically, just give us a Estepinian region. You know, scouting lads, do your thing. Just get us a South American right back who's just unbelievable, and uh, we'll, we'll take him. Thank you. Yeah, 
Yeah, some 15 year old Bolivian. <laughs> yeah, that'll do. That'll, that'll do. do yeah. 15 year old Bolivian. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's, I probably would agree with you, to be fair. Uh, just to be a little bit more exciting, because you know, obviously we're talking about defenders and, and midfielders. If the if the case is that we do go for that sort of winger spot, obviously we're well linked with Kudus and we were prepared to spend you know record breaking fees on him, it'd be interesting just to see if there is that sort of big name that Brighton go for. Because obviously it was evident that we were going for some big names and you know, Kudus is a big name in, in the footballing world as, as, a, as a youngster. So it'd be interesting to see if before the window ends to see if we do go for any, you know, whether it might be Locatelli, whether it might be someone a little bit more advanced, but someone with a bit more of a name to come in for Caicedo or for, you know, Solly March sort of backup or whoever it might be, um, just to sort of improve that sort of stature, that, that sort of, you know, at the same time, you don't want someone that's going to come in and think they're a big time and, you know, you almost lose that core that you've got at Brighton of, of everyone wanting to do their best because it's it's a it's a weird balance, isn't it? You don't want a big timer like like Trossard turned into be, but then also you want someone to be a talisman. But in fact, that's a, that's a quick conversation. It's like, maybe you don't need a talisman nowadays. Maybe you just need a good working squad, man. I, I was just about to say. I, I think a really good example is that look at Spurs now. Like they had Antonio Conte, massive ego, a, a, you know, a big name signing as a manager. Um, they obviously had Harry Kane, who's like their talisman. Now that Kane's left and Conte's left, they look way better because they've got a team unit. And Ange Postecoglou's sort of built this uh, amazing atmosphere and, and a team unit. It looks like I don't know. Look, it's early days. They it could all fall apart for Spurs in in Spurs fashion. We, you know, that that's very plausible. Spursy. But, but yeah, it's Spursy. But but. Early signs suggest that he, he's creating a, a good, like, wholesome, you know, uh, project there that actually people are playing for the shirt. You know, there's no egos. There's no individualism. Uh, they're not relying on one player or, or two players to, to get them out of a hole, which they did pretty much every game last season with, with Harry Kane and, and, you know, Son back in the day. Like, yeah, I, I think they're a prime example to look at that. Not always egos and big names necessarily work. Of course, sometimes they do. And, you know, you want that marquee signing, don't you? And everyone talks about a marquee signing. Like, it's a statement of intent. But mm. I don't think it's always necessary. I think if, if things are going well for you, like, no. like they are at Brighton, what, what, do, do we need to upset the apple cart? Like, do we need to bring someone in just to say we've made a marquee signing? I, I don't think so. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I want us just to carry on what we're yeah. doing and, and keep it humble. I think, yeah, I agree with you there because like the marquee signing can actually work against you. I think having that focal point, because with Spurs, right, the focal point was Kane. So all people had to do was just surround him because the rest of the team didn't have that, that same ability to really, you know, take take the game by the by the balls and really, you know, take it to the other side because teams knew that, Tottenham just wanted to feed Harry Kane, just get the ball to him and let him do the rest. It, it made them a lot more easy to play, I think, personally. And, you know, Conte's whole thing was, again, you know, you just got to try and get it down the flanks, get it inside, get, get it to Kane, let him go to work. That's not going to work. And I think with Brighton, because we know that there are so many different threats across the side, you know, the way that Solly March has blossomed, the fact that in CISO is, you know, he's a little pocket rocket. He can just suddenly, you know, make something happen. And we all know how good Matoma is. And 
the fact that Mitoma is that good, he draws so much attention to himself, then the rest of the team has so much more space. And because Mitoma is mm. such a selfless player anyway, he's always then going to look for the teammates. You know, you've got Welbeck, who's always an aerial presence as well. You've got Evan Ferguson, who we now know how clinical he can be. And Joao Pedro, who, you know, he's only had a few games under us, but he already looks like a serious player. And I know he had a very, very good season at Watford last year, but I think he's really going to get a chance to show what he can do in the Prem. No, I agree with you. I agree all round. And to be fair, I do think that, yeah, just to say my thoughts, I think that perhaps with a team like ours, you just want, you just want to keep that community feel to it, I suppose, because... That's what, it's where it got you, isn't it? It's got you to where you are and you don't want to to lose that perhaps. But yeah, no, it's it's an interesting debate actually. Do, do that as a comment below today. Would you rather a talisman or would you rather a team? Because, it, you know, TRT, because at this, yeah, I can see both sides. I can see why you'd want your, your Wilfred Zaha at Palace. But then at the same time, if you've got a team that works together and you've got your NCSOs, your Matomas, you know, why not? And I, I think it is working for us. It's working wonders. Um, but yeah, I think that's just about everything covered. Um, unless I've missed anything, Maz, I don't think I have. No, um, no, but yeah, we will see you just before West Ham, another team which you've got a decent record against. But yeah, until then, have a good rest of your week. And we'll see. And oh, by the way, thank you as well for Louis dropping in very, very, yeah. very late notice last night. I've never been on a podcast. So this Pleasure. is yeah. um, very, very big, big ups to Louis for doing this. No but, problems um, at all. Yeah, top man. So yeah, we'll see you all very, very soon. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe. Spotify stream, Apple podcast stream, all that good stuff. And we'll see you very, very soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.